Can I get a witness? Amen. Thank you, Damaris. It's a treat to have you here. Until uh, early this week, I was thinking that I'm going to continue in my series of messages from the epistle to the Romans. And uh, early in the week, I was, uh, for several days, I kind of didn't have peace about it and prayed some more. And, and then uh, I just really said, Lord, well, what is it? Uh, because it's one thing Lord says, I want you to change, and change to what? I was talking to my friend and colleague, Richard Waits, and he said, well, you've always listened to the Lord, so listen again. So I did, and on this Mom's Day, I want to pay tribute to the great moms. Particularly those in this church. I know many of you, if not most of you, personally. Great moms who are raising up champions for Christ. I want this message to be an encouragement to them to keep on keeping on to raise champions for Christ. It is no secret today, more than ever before, in all my lifetime, and certainly in the last 40-plus years I've been in this country, motherhood is under a relentless attack. Motherhood is one of humanity's greatest calling. Motherhood is one of the greatest responsibilities that God has placed upon the earth. Motherhood is one of the most powerful and influential ministries that anyone could have. Motherhood has the power to impact societies, nations, and indeed the whole world. Motherhood has greater impact for the future of the world than some of the mighty emperors. You say, why are you saying this? Well, because you cannot point to someone who has accomplished great things, man or a woman, uh, without discovering that there is a mother behind, that, behind the scene in that person's life. You probably heard me say this before. Uh, for every successful man, there is a surprised mother-in-law. <laughs> but not a mother. <laughs> not a mother. St. Augustine, who accomplished great and mighty things to this day, 1,600 years later, we still talk about him. He's influencing the world. He came to the Lord from such a denigrated life in Italy. Uh, but because of the prayer of his mother, Monica, and the instruction and the intercession, he turned out to be one of the great saints of the church. Timothy, who has succeeded the Apostle Paul, accomplished great things in churches throughout Asia Minor and in, 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 in Rome. According to the Apostle Paul himself, it was because of the prayers of his mother and grandmother. John and Charles Wesley became the great men who have impacted their world and continue to impact the world even now. It was because of Susanna who prayed for each one of her children 
11 children, and she prayed one hour a day for each one of them. It's so hard to even fathom. But today I have chosen an obscure mother whose impact on the world has been felt deeply 4,000 years ago and to this day. Though her son, through her son Moses, his mother accomplished great and mighty things. Remember this, Moses, the lawgiver, Moses, the deliverer of his people from the slavery of Egypt, Moses, uh, whom God used to give us the Ten Commandments, and make no mistake about it, the Ten Commandments are the reflection of the character of God, and we dare not dispense of them as we've been preached to lately by some modern preachers. He gave us the Ten Commandments, and those Ten Commandments are God's reflection of who He is, and we dare not minimize them. Moses, whose impact upon the world is still being effective today by God 4,000 years later. Moses was the product of his mother's influence, training, and prayer. Her name was Jacobit. Jacobit represented all that is positive in motherhood. Jacobit is a role model for all godly moms. Jacobit is a role model for self-sacrificing moms that fill this church. Jacobit is a role model for trusting in the living God in the midst of a dark and even darker culture than we experiencing, in the midst of a dangerous culture, in the midst of hostile culture to the people of God. Several years ago, someone wrote a booklet entitled, It Takes a Village to Bring Up a Child. Some of you might know about this little book. It became a bestseller, sadly. It takes a village to bring up a child. But both the Bible and history tells us that it takes faith in the living God. It takes prayer to the living God. It takes commitment to teach the Word of God. It takes dedication and self-giving to bring up a child in the way of God. Why? Listen to me. Because a godless village will bring up godless children. An immoral village will bring up immoral children. An unbelieving village will bring up unbelieving children. The only ones that will bring up godly children are godly moms and godly dads and godly grandparents. And that is why in this church, you see us do this month after month after month for 31 years. The covenant of baptism. This is a sacred moment that we continuously practice here in this church. I'm now baptizing children of children that I've baptized. What an amazing thing to see the covenant of God working in even the third generation. What we did today, and we do every month, is always a sacred moment. It is a sacred moment in, the, in this church. And that is why I often exhort parents when I meet with them uh, about the importance of this covenant, the sacredness of that covenant, and the sacredness of what they're doing. Because God takes us at our word because God wants us to take Him at His word. Back to Jacobit. 
The reason she represents the role model of motherhood is because she teaches all of us the priority of motherhood, the protection of motherhood, the preparation of children by the motherhood, and the provision for the children by motherhood. But before I tell you about Jacobit, I need to give you just a minute and a half of history because I used to presume that most people know the stories of the Bible. Most people know the history of the Bible, but I have been shocked to discover that's not the case. So I don't take things for granted like I used to. Before I get to this priority, protection, preparation, and provision for her son Moses, I want to give you this historic uh, account. You remember back uh, 300 years uh, before Moses was born, his ancestor, Joseph, the, the beloved son of his father Isaac, is, or, uh, Jacob, or Israel, um, when he, out of hatred by his older brother, was sold into slavery in Egypt, and there he was maligned, there he was mistreated, and there he ended up in prison. But God, who watches the faithfulness of his children, no matter where they are, the God who knows and rewards the faithfulness of his children, he is the one who took him from the prison to the throne room of Egypt. And there Joseph brought his brothers. He forgave them what they've done, and he brought his father Israel. And there the people of Israel, the children of Israel, lived for over 400 years, but within those 300 years, about 100 years before they left to go into the wilderness from Egypt, about 100 years, the, num the numbers had grown. Just think about it. America is not 300 years old yet, other than talk about the, the, the nation, but uh, look how much we've grown. And think about the Hebrews, the people of God, the Israelites, they are inside Egypt, and they were growing. They grew from 73 people to being between 1 to 2 million people. Uh, that's at least some of the most conservative estimates. And in Exodus chapter 1, verse 8, it says that there came a new king, or a pharaoh, the word pharaoh is the Egyptian word for king, who did not know all that Joseph had done for Egypt. You see, Joseph, who is Moses' ancestor, saved Egypt. In fact, he saved the entire region and possibly the world from certain starvation, famine, and sure death. For 300 years, Every pharaoh that comes on the throne is kind to the Hebrews, kind to the Israelites, showed kindness toward them because they always remembered what Joseph did for the nation. Out of gratitude for what Joseph did for that country, these pharaohs treated the Israelites well. But then came a new king. A king obviously said to himself, he said, you know, I don't know what this Joseph guy did. And furthermore, I don't care. These people are becoming a national threat. The Israelites are becoming a nation inside a nation. We have to eliminate them. And so this particular pharaoh issued a decree. And he asked all the midwives in Egypt, when you go to deliver babies among the Hebrews in the Hebrew section of town, you kill them before they're born or as soon as they're born. 
This, my beloved friend, is what you call abortion on demand. But I'm not going to dwell on this. But when Moses was born, his mother, Jacobit, knew that God has a purpose for him. When he talked about fine, he knew that God has a purpose for her son. And so she trusted in the Lord. She knew that her son is God's gift. I wanted to hear me out on this one. The one thing that I tell young parents when I meet with them in the office, and they will tell you this, and I've been, as I said, been doing this for 31 years. The first thing I tell them that their children are not their children. Do you understand that our children are not our children? I know we think that they're ours, and no, they're not. They are God's children. And God entrusts them to us to bring them up for Him and on His behalf. You see, when you understand that our children are not ours, but they are God's, we begin to comprehend the awesomeness of God's grace in giving us His children to bring up for Him, to manage them. Uh, The awesomeness of that responsibility. You know, I was thinking about the impact of mothers upon their children, and I thought of some saying that mothers who did not know the Lord or worship the Lord have some famous quotes from some famous people, famous mothers of famous people. Uh, Some of them you will know, some of them you probably weren't old enough to remember. Alexander the Great, his mother used to say to him, how many times I have to tell you, uh, you can't have everything in the world that you want. Franz Schubert's mother, take my advice, son, Never start anything if you're not going to finish it. (laughs) Achilles' mother. Stop imagining things. There is nothing wrong with your heel. (laughs) Sigmund Freud's mother. Stop pestering me. I have told you a hundred times the stork brought you here. (laughs) Now this is going to stop the younger one. Boy George. Do you know that name? His mother used to say to him, you want to be different? Why can't you be like Nancy, your brother? But I thank God that Jacobid taught her son Moses the Word of God and the plan of God. The epistle to the Hebrews fills in some of the gaps. If you look at chapter 11, verse 23, it says, By faith Moses' parents hid him for three months because they were not afraid of the king's edict. So the first thing you need to see here is that godly mothers protect their children. And I've seen this once, I've seen it thousand times in this place. First of all, Jacobin hid her son for three months. Now, can you imagine? Now, you would not necessarily know this, but I do. In, in an Egyptian culture, even back then, people were literally living on top of each other. If you go and visit some of the ancient homes, they were living on top of each other and trying to keep a baby from crying for three months. That is a remarkable miracle. <laughs> then she weaved the basket and she placed it in the water of the River Nile, totally trusting in the Lord to help protect that precious boy. 
Let me tell you a few things about the river Nile that you may not know. And the Bible does not speak about, but that's a reality. The Nile is considered to be the ancient symbol of life. And in fact, that is that kind of cross thing that you see, the symbol that's life, that gives water and therefore gives life. But to the vast majority of Egyptians back then, the river Nile is a symbol of death, not life, because idolatry and the worshiping of the gods, the crocodile gods who, 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 reside, who lived in the Nile was one of the big practices in Egypt. The Nile, which is a symbol of the world itself, became an instrument of life for Moses because God was in control. Pagan Egyptians would sacrifice their children to the Nile gods. There are a lot of ethnic jokes about, in Egypt about throwing the beautiful babies to the Nile, and, and you see in cartoons even to this day. So they left uh, uh, the leftovers when the beautiful kids were thrown in the Nile. And so I'm the one of the leftovers. <laughs> Jacobid saw what is the source of death as a source of life when God is in it. Jacobid protected her child. As I told you, pagan Egyptians and mothers would throw their babies uh, into the Nile to sacrifice them to the gods of the Nile. But Jacobid covered the basket with asphalt and so as to protect her son from the influence of the world's water. Now, beloved, listen to me. Godly mothers seal their babies' baskets of life by the Holy Spirit of God so their children grow up to believe in God, to trust in God, to walk with God, and to serve God. But not only that, I know you hear it in the news all the time. So many unbelieving, uh, unbelieving parents literally sacrifice their children for the sake of money, for the sake of fame, for the sake of popularity. Uh, godly mothers protect their children, weaving a basket of the Word of God around them. They're weaving the Word of God around them to keep their children from drowning in the world's water. Uh, when she placed him in the reeds of the, of the Nile River, right there, where Pharaoh's daughter was known to come out with her maids to bathe every day. And she kept her own daughter Miriam nearby watching very closely. And sure enough, right on schedule, as soon as Pharaoh's daughter came out to bathe with her maids, uh, she saw this beautiful basket and she opened it and fell in love with that baby. All of this under the watchful eye of Miriam. As soon as Pharaoh's daughter stopped gooing and going, gooing, gooing and gooing and gooing, and I stutter when I speak, about the baby, <laughs> Miriam pops up from the reeds and says, are you looking for a woman to nurse the baby? Sure. Isn't that amazing, though, when you think about it? If you did not reflect on this when David was reading the passage, just think with me, okay? Here Jacobit got to nurse and train, instruct her own son Moses until he was about eight years old, and then she got paid for it. Isn't that amazing? That's how God works, in case you don't know. And as you know, these are foundational years in the life of a child. 
between birth and eight-year-old. These are foundational years. During those years, no doubt, Jacob had taught her son Moses. Uh, before he was adopted into, as a Pharaoh grandson, before she took him to Pharaoh's palace, she told him about his ancestors. No doubt she told him about Abraham and the covenant that God made with Abraham, and then with his son Isaac, and then with his grandson Jacob, and then how all of this have unfolded, how the history of the family unfolded. No doubt she told him about Joseph's faithfulness in the time when everybody was compromising, in a time when it's so easy to compromise. He stayed faithful. He stayed true. He didn't have a Bible. He didn't have the commandments, but he knew the heart of God is is sexual purity. And so he refused to commit adultery with Potiphar's wife. So no doubt she told him the story of how faithful Joseph was, and no doubt she told him about God's plan to deliver his people, because that's the promise he made to Abraham 300 years earlier, which was fulfilled in 400 years, just like God said to Abraham, pagan Egyptian mothers, as I told you, listen carefully, pagan Egyptian mothers were offering their children as a sacrifice to the crocodile gods of the Nile to appease the Nile gods. But Jacobid protected her son. Can I get a witness? In fact, Pharaoh probably thought when he issued that edict that he's going to kill two birds with one stone. You know what I'm talking about? He says, well, I can appease the Nile gods by throwing the baby in there. At the same time, I can cull the population of the Hebrews and eliminate them. And so it backfired. Hear me right. Pharaoh and Egypt in the Bible are always presented as a symbol of Satan and a symbol of ungodly philosophy and this ungodly world system, always been symbolized as the ungodly system of this world. But I thank God for godly mothers. Godly mothers do not do this. Godly mothers who forever are vigilant to protect their children from the ungodly influence of the culture. Uh, I thank God for godly moms who are forever weaving baskets of the Word of God to cradle their children. I thank God for godly mothers who forever guarding the hearts and the minds of their children. I thank God for godly mothers who are protecting their children from the sleaze that is found in the rivers of this society. I thank God for godly moms who are forever guiding and guarding and watching over their children as they get into the rough waters of some of the godless school and the godless education system. I thank God for all the godly Jacobites who are here in this place who are forever protecting their children from the crocodiles of drugs and the crocodiles of sexual immorality and the crocodiles of secular humanism and the crocodiles of doubting the Word of God and the crocodiles of godless friends and the crocodiles of the so-called tolerance of sin and the crocodiles that want to devour our moral compass in our children. I thank God for you. I thank God for you. And I'm thankful for the ministry to the women in this church with Elise and 
and to the children of the church through the leadership of Connie. And we talk about this all the time in our team meetings. We talk about how we are totally committed as a team and pastoral team in this church for our kids to be encouraged, motivated to grow up, to know and love Jesus, and how we are really here not to work instead of parents, but to support the parents. When you think about it, it's really impossible for us, really, no matter how much we try, in reality, it's hard. And it could be difficult, it might be impossible, to protect our children from the Nile rivers of this world. Ah, but you can daily remind them of God's plan for their life, of God's love for them, of God's purpose for their life of God's wanting to bless their lives. In fact, the, the plan of Pharaoh, as I said, who is a type of Satan, was to wear down God's people. That was his plan. Wear them out. Wear them down. Wear them out. Eventually, eliminate them. <laughs> One of Satan's plot is to wear godly parents down. I know that, and you know that. So they give in and give up and they throw their children to the crocodile of culture. And just as Satan plot back then has failed, let me give you a word from the Word of God that Satan's plot will fail with godly parents today. I was thinking about godly moms protecting their children. I thought of a historic event that took place always, always gets to me. It's a, it's, a, it's a true story that took place in England of a young mom who was carrying her baby boy in her arms as she was making her way across the hills of South Wales in the UK. That particular day, she was battling her way through a blinding blizzard. Sadly, she never reached her destination. When she saw that this looks hopeless, she did something amazing because when the blizzard subsided and the search teams were going in, they found her body mound over her baby. What happened? This wonderful mom realized, as I said, that there's no way out. She took her outer garment and she wrapped it around her baby. And then she put her body as a mound around him. And to the amazement and joy of the searchers at the time, is while they were sad to see the mom dead, the baby was alive. Beloved, let me tell you, there can be no greater human love than this. Years later, that baby boy grew up to manhood and became one of England's finest prime minister and a statesman by the name of David Lloyd George. This mother's love, listen to me, this is not a long message because I know most of you are ready to go and celebrate with mom, so I'm not prolonging it, but I want you to listen carefully. This mother's love is but a symbol 
of what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary for everyone who would come and believe in Him. He gave His life so that whosoever believes in Him, whosoever turns to Him and repent of their sins, whomsoever comes to Him asking for His forgiveness, receive forgiveness and eternal life. There may be someone here today, and maybe, you know, your mom has been praying for you, your dad's been praying for you, somebody's been praying for you, and yet you're hardening your heart. Somebody watching around because just happy to be Mother's Day. I want to tell you that Jesus loves you, and the reason you are listening and the reason you are, He brought you to this place is because He loves you, and He wants you to understand the enormity of His love for you by dying on that cross. The sinless Son of God died a sinner's death for you and you and you and you. If someone here never committed life to Jesus Christ, let this Mother's Day be the day. Let this be the day. Jacob had, had everything working against her. Listen carefully. The culture was working against her. The law, the law of the land was working against her. The government was working against her. The whole system was basically rigged. The whole system was working against her. But she did not only protect her son, she prepared her son. For nearly eight years, she prepared him for Pharaoh's pagan palace. For nearly eight years, she prepared him for Pharaoh's pagan influence. She prepared him for release into the protection of the hand of God. Now, I know some of moms and dads never want to let go. I know that. Hello? All the moms and dads... There hasn't come a time when you have to entrust them to God. After you've done your job, after you've done your work, after you've done your preparation, after you've done your training of them, you have to trust them to the hand of God. But also, having sat down through at least four different college orientations in our lifetime, we heard about all the stories about parents who just never want to let go of their kids when they go to college. It wasn't long ago at Furman University, the president at that time was speaking, and he told us that it was weeks later, after the first day of class, they discovered a mom was hiding in the closet. (laughs) (laughs) Godly moms who protect their children also must be prepared and prepare their children to let go. I read a letter not so long ago, actually about one of those protective moms, and she wrote that letter to a college president where her son has been enrolled. It goes like this. Let me read it to you. Dear sir, my son has been accepted for admission to your college, and soon he will leave me. I'm writing to ask you that you give your personal attention to the selection of his roommate. I want to make sure that his roommate is not the kind of person who uses foul language or off-color jokes, smokes, drinks, or chases after girls. I hope you understand why I'm appealing to you directly. You see, this is the first time my son will be away from home, except 
for the three years in the Marine Corps. <laughs> Godly moms who instruct their children in the Word of God, who train and prepare their children, can confidently send them into the world. This is not going to come as a surprise to most of you who have been here a long time. I'm always open, honest about our household, that the strength in our household comes from my wife, not from me. For some strange reason, the men in the Yusuf household are the softies. <laughs> the women are strong, thank God, for their mother. But never forget the time we dropped off our first. Our first is always harder than I cried with every one of them, but we dropped our first in college. And man, I lost it the entire drive from North Carolina all the way to Atlanta. Man, I was losing it big time. And then in the midst of this, my wife looks at me and he says, she says, stop being a sissy. <laughs> I think you know me well enough to know I'm not a sissy, but <laughs> in all seriousness, God's plan for our children is beyond us. And that is why after all that is done, we need to hand them to the hand of God. God's plan for our children is for them to be salt and light in the world. God's plan for our children is for them to be ambassadors of Jesus Christ. On their own, had Jacob not prepared to release Moses into Pharaoh's court, the course of history would have been different. Now, I understand, of course, this is hypothetical. God could have done whatever he could have done. But I always think, what if, what if, what if? Two million Jews would have still never been delivered from the slavery. Uh, one to two million Jews would still be in slavery today, or probably would increase the number. But it was God's plan to deliver them through Moses, uh, but with the cooperation of Jacobit. And we give Moses all the credit, but I can tell you, Jacobit gets most of the credit. My question for you is this. Are you cooperating with God's plan? Whether you're young, old, it doesn't matter. Whether boy, girl, young men, young women. Older men, older women, are you cooperating with God's plan? Or are you digging your heels and your song is, we shall not be moved? God wants you to cooperate with his plan. Because I tell you, if I know anything about God in my life in those 70 years, I tell people this. He will drag you kicking and screaming. If you go to Egypt, you'll find the sand, the marks of my heels in the sands of Egypt until he gets me. And then you see some of them in Australia. Everywhere he he's going to get his man, he's going to get his woman. So might as well cooperate with God. Amen? Amen? Beloved, had God the Father not given up God the Son, you and I would never have experienced salvation forgiveness of sins, joy and peace in this world, and eternal life with Him. If it was not for Jesus' willingness to lay down 
his life, we would never have been delivered from the slavery of sin. Let me tell you this as I conclude. Every one of us have a mother for whom we're grateful. All you need to do is you look at the cameras that are on the sideline of football or whatever, and these big, giant players, when they look at the camera, they say, Hi, Mom. <laughs> they never say, Hi, Dad. You know, they say, Hi, Mom. We're all grateful for our moms. Those who are alive, thank God, and those of us who know that their moms are in the throne room of God, rejoicing and celebrating. Either way, the most important part, and that's what I want to leave you with, is that you ask yourself, please, this is not, no one can say, well, that's for somebody else. It's for you, every one of you who are here, every one of you who are watching around the world. Ask yourself the following questions. What are you doing in carrying your mother's legacy? What are you doing in carrying your mother's legacy? What are you doing for God to perpetuate your mother's legacy? What are you doing for God to impact the world for Christ? Moses fulfilled his mother's mission. And that her risking of her own life was not in vain. What about you? What about you? Are you fulfilling that mission? Precious Father, I thank you that 31 years ago, the message from Isaiah, you have reminded us of the love of a mother. And you said that it even in the case of an impossibility of a mother forgetting her baby, you will never forget your children. We thank you that this same promise was expounded again and again and again in the Scripture. And you tell us in your word, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, move with freedom. Those who need to be convicted, convict them. Those who are discouraged and be, want to be encouraged, encourage them. Those who need to repent, help them to do so, even at this hour. And those who are wavering in doubt, give them strength from above. Father, I thank you for my own testimony. For 70 years, when you said, never leave you, nor forsake you, or you haven't. Three, four different continents, and you've never forsaken me once. And Lord, I know this is the testimony of thousands of people in this place. So we're here to praise you to worship you, to adore you, and to thank you. And to ask you, Holy Spirit, feel free to work in us and through us. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Stand up and sing with us.